Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Square Ball Podcast. It's the Square Ball Podcast number 91. I'm Dan, and with me is Michael. Hello. And Moscow. Hello there. We should tell you, just for the record, that it is Wednesday the 22nd of April, around 7pm. Um, we have to timestamp this in case anything mental happens during the course of the next couple of hours, because we never know these days. Mm-hmm. But by the time this is released, anything could have happened. The, the Leeds United could have just drifted off into the sea. And you'd be expecting us to have some comments on it, but we can't comment on it because it hasn't happened. Although, how would you feel if Leeds United had just drifted into the sea? It feels oddly like that's what has happened. It'd solve a problem, wouldn't it? Anyway, we will get on to all this. Um, we should mention before we get into that, that issue 9 of the magazine is on sale at the moment. Issue 10 will be out before we record again. That's coming out for Rotherham only, so make sure you don't miss out on that one. Uh, tenth and final issue of the season. Could be the last one we do, pending a Red Bull takeover. Mm. Or just the, the club just drifting off into the sea, because I don't know how whether our uh, sellers are aquatic. If, we, if we've got time before the next season to let them grow fins. <laughs> Oddie's lived through a few, few different ages. He'll adapt. He'll evolve, yeah. Uh, there's some smashing drawings uh, in issue 9. Redders is on the cover of issue 9. Issue 10 looks like it's going to be a real doozy. We'll give you more stuff on that towards the back end of the podcast. Um, but you can get subscriptions now and whatnot uh, by that at thesquareball.net. White watching. Uh, before we get into this section properly, then I should mention a gentleman off off of that Twitter called Cockney White, who uh, sort of picked us up last time on the lack of football chatter in mm. this podcast. Um, a, a, perhaps a justifiable criticism, you might say. It's a fair point. It's another thing to pick up on, though. I don't know why anybody would be listening to this for the football content. So on to the football. Um, three games and three defeats. Um, this is why. Ah, yes, yeah. let's not. So do we want to look into these games as a whole or do we want to pick apart the individual things? I mean, there are a few little highlights like debut goal from Calvin Phillips in the Cardiff game. Should we start there? There is. I mean, you do look through these three abject defeats and find these little little glimmers in the light. A Calvin Phillips goal 
which you earlier described as textbook. Well, yeah, you, you, you hit it up into the wind. Mm-hmm. You let the wind... With a deflection, I think. You let the wind take it. You let the keeper get blown over the other way. Tap it into the empty net. Played the conditions perfectly. Exactly. I it's think. like uh, Stephen Warnock's goal at Yeovil, where he measured the wind. He had a little <laughs> little wind, the weather station out on the side. He'd been practising it. It's a good job, really, because I don't think we created anything else, did we? No, this game was abject, miserable, awful, horrible in almost every respect. Even down to the fact that, as was much trailed in advance, there were no Cardiff fans there. I almost wished by the end that there had been some Cardiff fans there to rub our faces in it, because without them, the defeat felt even more hollow than a defeat normally would. It was Calvin Phillips's face, though. There was, with Charlie Taylor running after him. We should say it wasn't his actual debut, home debut. Oh, we will get picked up on that. It counts. <laughs> Home debut, first goal, and the only exciting thing that we can possibly pick up on. And there were those lovely photographs that the club, like official Twitter, was highlighting of Phillips and Taylor and Mowitz and just kind of, look, isn't that wonderful? It's like um, it's like bit, we didn't lose. It's like the bit on Bullseye where they wheel out the speedboat. Look what you could have kept. Yes. <laughs> Apart from that, we didn't bother defending any corners, and that meant... Every corner that came in would just land in the box and then Cardiff would kick it repeatedly at Marco Silvestri who could only make four or five wonder saves at once. And then the ball would go in the net and then there would be absolute silence. And that's what I didn't enjoy most about this game was that I couldn't hear a cheer from across the pitch. So I was genuinely looking at like, is that a goal? Was this scored? What's going on? I didn't like it. Don't care for it. If that's the future of football, you can keep it. On the Cardiff fans, I mean... What do we think about them not showing up? Is it fair enough? If everyone did it, it'd probably stop police and clubs being such idiots about things. Yes, it would stop the silly buggers. I mean, we've repurposed Howard's restaurant, Howard's Way, sorry, to be an away fans bar. Presumably, well, we've seen the accounts now, and we realise that that income is important, and fans' income is always important, and whether they're home fans or away fans, you do want to make it actually possible for people to get to a ground and get in and watch a game. I've done this trip in reverse, which was one of the bubble games at Cardiff, and it is not a fun day out. It's crap. You sit on a bus for about seven hours, you get to some services, you get escorted to the ground, you get taken in, you get taken out, you get back on a bus, you go seven hours. It's not really much of much of what you enjoy about a day at football. And of course, on the buses, you're not allowed to drink, which I didn't. (laughs) I'm proud of you. Thank you. And it's that old cliche of everyone says, oh, football's got to compete against so many other things, like everyone's got computer games and they can watch television, which in Ken Bates' day, obviously, these weren't options. So all you could do was go to football. But now you're presented, you with, radio choice. Station. You're presented with a choice where you can either be treated like cattle or you can just spend a pleasant day not being treated like cattle. So it was a very easy choice that you're giving people to make. But I did the one good thing that did come out of it was when um, Leeds United equalised with a big chance of you only sing when you're winning and you're not singing anymore at the empty corner of the stadium. That was pretty good. And also on the Cardiff City highlights, where to hammer home the fact that there are no away fans there, they cut to a shot of an empty cheese wedge, not realising that that would have been empty under any circumstances whatsoever, apart from maybe a stray sighting of the cop cat lost on his way back to his um, kennel. Lair? Lair? I presume they have to keep him in a kennel at the ground. A lair would imply a natural habitat, whereas a snow leopard in Beeston, nothing natural about that. On to Norwich then. We talked about getting through the wall of canaries 
with a vacuum cleaner last time. It wasn't wasn't to be, was it? Uh, one of those where compounding the misery of all the stuff that had gone before, of course, inevitable, little Johnny Warney was going to come back and score, and he did, and he didn't celebrate, which was nice of him. Oh, well, I mean, generally, I'm in favour of, of players celebrating against their old clubs, but in Housen's case, I'm willing to make an exception because he, fulf- he fulfills several criteria which most non-celebrating players don't. Normally, you get people who were on loan for a month somewhere and then they score an important goal and they just wander back to the halfway line. Imagine, I, think, I think, come on, these people don't really give a shit about you. Imagine Gary McSheffrey not celebrating a goal against Leeds. It wouldn't be right. No, true. I mean, Housen, whether or not, there was some debate going on whether he actually is or isn't a Leeds fan, but at some point he has been and he did grow up here. And What would we have rather he did? It's hard to know what to do. I'm sure he probably did think about it beforehand. I think when you watch it back, there is a certain amount of... He obviously didn't want to over-celebrate, but he also wanted to acknowledge that he had scored a goal in a promotion challenge for his current team in front of, uh, right in front of the away fans. So his arms went up in almost a celebratory manner, but a low-key celebratory manner. And with the palms out. I think it was fists first. He he put his hands in the air, fists Fists in the air from Johnny Housen. But then his teammates ran in, obviously not quite getting the nuances of the situation and the the sensitivity required. And they started leaping on him and jumping around really giddy-like. And that's the point where he put his palms up to the south stand as if to say, look, I know these guys look happy. I don't want you to get the impression that I'm enjoying this as much as they are. And it, so there was a... He sort of had to dampen down on whatever he was going to do. He may have forgotten which team he was playing for, initially. He maybe thought, I've scored at the south stand, that's nice. <laughs> Run off towards the south stand, giving it a lead salute. It's just, a, yeah, it's an automatic reaction. He probably turned around, expected to see Kilkenny and Beckford and Bradley. Bradley Impressive. is an option. Yes, that's probably his dream now. If only he could play for press. Norwich overall then, they weren't all that, were they? Or they were, were they? Mu- they were much better than us throughout the game in every department. They just looked solid though. They ne- we never had a... I think Moat's shot, which I'm pretty sure was deflected and about 20 minutes from the end, that was really it. That was the only time we came close to scoring as far as I can remember. Because they lacked a lot of fluency in midfield and the only thing I could think of is that Bradley Johnson must have been making them tick this season because he's played some like 30 games if he's not top scorer, he's certainly the top scorer that's not a striker. He's got some like 13 goals. I didn't want to see how good they might have been with him in the team. Um, I just decided, OK, maybe they're shit because he wasn't playing. It felt to me like one of the early season performances under Hockaday where people were saying, oh, but we were quite solid for a while. We, they didn't create loads of chances. But really, we didn't create anything either. And it was just a matter of grinding us down. And you don't need to gamble against us to score goals. You just need to wait for a chance. And in this case, we, we presented them and Berardi went charging off at the ball for some reason, left house yeah. and free. Um, we gave him a penalty as well, which they <laughs> contrived to miss, which yeah. was brilliant because Bamberan was complaining about it for ages afterwards, to, only to Silvestri though. Yes, there was absolutely nothing to complain about about the fact that the penalty was given away. Because well, maybe it was just asking him if he was all right because obviously he'd sustained something approaching a life-threatening injury at this point. That's very true. Oh, I think he was still okay at this. He hadn't been um, stabbed just yet. He'd not had the blood transfusion had he, no. at, that, at this stage. But the the penalty, Liam Cooper, he did everything right. How it was housing in the penalty in the six yard box, threatening the goal, and he managed to turn him around so he was facing away from goal, and the danger was effectively gone. You can deal with him there, but instead he decided he took one arm, then he took the other arm, then he put both hands on his shoulders and just threw him to the floor. 
if I was the referee, I'd be thinking, why have you just done that? There was no reason to do that penalty. So it was grateful that they missed it. And the, but the other option in this game, it, it's worth saying, was Belushi, who would have almost certainly carried a weapon oh, on killed the man. and killed Jerome. I was going to say House and never mind Jerome. Well, possibly. The singing squaddies, House and Jerome. Um, <laughs> well, one thing is to mention, it was nice that Snoddy turned up. Bit of a shame that Luciano didn't make the trip. You would have thought, even just for sentimental reasons, he could have been put on the bench, just gives a little bit of hope. But then Perhaps also, done a wave in the centre circle at half-time or something. Yeah, bring him out to make a speech. Why I love you. I don't know why, but I love you. And well, we were always going to lose this game, and it was like the slow process leading up to inevitable defeat was landmarked by the Press Association's Wayne Gardner, who at 1-0 tweeted, everybody who has seen Leeds in recent years knows this script. We will concede another one and lose 2-0. And... Lo and behold, it happened, and you have to take your hat off to somebody who has read the script so well. Everybody knew. That's, he was the one who said it. That's there good, was, there good was voodoo. always a second goal coming. Good voodoo, that. The good other voodoo. thing we need to say about this game, Ngoi played. Oh, yeah, how was he? He was... A bit rusty. Well, he was going to be, didn't he? And he didn't, he didn't look bad by any stretch, but he had a very limited role. Mm. Of He was very, very much the Amdify... Mm. Uh, role. He was he, moving slightly more, but yes. not much more. He was like a mobile Andy Fye. Yeah, he wasn't Patrick Vieira, as some people had led us to believe, and that's why we signed him, even though he was injured. I mean, he was fine. Yeah. He, he wasn't at fault for anything, didn't really do anything. Difficult situation to judge him, really. Yeah. Parachuting yeah. into that shitstorm. And when you're going to play a maximum of you know a few games at the end of the season, mm. it does leave you with that feeling of, what was the point of this? So he, he kept his place against Charlton. Must have done something. So he must have done something to impress Neil Redfin, or perhaps he was just um, didn't have much other choice. Well, I mean, maybe he was battling through the pain barrier just to pull on that that uh, blue blue shirt. Well, of all the injured players, I mean, we can definitely, absolutely guarantee that Grandy and Goy was injured for the Charlton game (laughs) because he was injured the day we bought him. He will be injured the day he leaves. He'll probably be injured the day he dies, but he played anyway. And maybe that says something to some of the other players who believed themselves injured for this game. Nice diplomacy. Well done. A a view later apparently endorsed by the club's medical staff, officially, if not in reality. (laughs) (laughs) Treading carefully. Yes. Billy Sharp missed his penalty. Did you have a feeling at that point, oh God, it's going to be one of those days? Are we on to the Charlton game now? Well, I presume so. Yeah, we may as well. Um... Well, no, Billy Sharp missed his penalty and I thought, oh God, it's going to be one of those dates. And then Steve Morrison scored and I thought, oh God. It's definitely one of those How much worse can this get? Well, do you know what I was going to say was, obviously the last podcast, Podcast 90, um, Mm -hmm. Drone Strike, was all about Steve Morrison. And do you think perhaps it was a real motivational tool, that podcast, it was perhaps like a rocket up his arse? Well, he said after the game that he doesn't, he's not on social media, so he doesn't listen to it. He's got his friends and his family, so that's all, all he needs to hear. He did then say, huh, I like some of the comments that say, I haven't scored for two years. That's a lie. Which <laughs> So bitter. You are mean. Which, if, um, if he's not on social media, then how has he heard us all saying, you haven't scored for two fucking years? He's like, huh, 
What about my goals for Millwall? Do you know what about I, your goals for Millwall? Michael, do you know what, Michael? I'm just going to put this out there. I don't think you like Steve Morrison much. Goals for Millwall don't count. That's all I'm saying. And he can't, he can't complain. The big hard man. <laughs> That's a lie. And also, had he come back from Millwall last week having scored some goals? Fair enough. All right, Steve. Technically, yes, you have scored in the last two years, but it has been a year since you scored. Yes, it so, doesn't make it any better. And you've played about 30 games since then, so how about you wind your neck 35. In? 35, right. Yeah. You've still played almost a full season without scoring when you, that is your entire job. There is no high ground when you can say, people, hey, I might not have scored for, I have scored for two years, all right, I might not have scored for 35 games and a year, but you know, up yours. Yeah, I, you're I still think, wrong, aren't you? Lads, I think you've been a bit unfair to him because he's the least of our problems at the minute. I, I don't know. He's, he's the most the eye catching. <laughs> he's up there, especially at Cardiff. He's not Cardiff. He Look, came on the substitutes I, I and he failed to control. He one of the most lazy, stupid pieces of non-control I've ever seen in the Cardiff game. Where a simple ball down the touchline just after he come on, so he was fresh and he was in there to make an impact and perhaps even save the game. And a ball down the touchline, it somehow, in his attempt to control it, it hit the back of his kicking leg. <laughs> And then hits his standing leg and went out for a throw-in. And then he just walked away. Well, well, I've scored within the last two years. So what does that matter? That's his attitude. And this one goal, which even he thought he'd missed, where he's like, oh, I thought I'd mishit it. And I didn't, well, yeah, his thought process, when it came from the corner, he said, I thought about going at it with my head. And then when you see that he actually volleyed it from about a foot off the floor, you wonder, what the hell was he thinking? He's not Becky, oh, he's not a hero. So I thought about going at it with my head, and then I thought I'd volley it, and then I thought the keeper had saved it, and I thought, oh, that's just my typical look, and then I'd scored. That's not the that's not the speech of a born goal scorer. That's not somebody who could be boasting about their scoring track record for Millwall. That's the voice of a lost, rubbish idiot who has no business ruining what was a perfectly respectable 2-0 victory for Charlton <laughs> with his unwelcome, inconsequential end of season, doesn't count for anything, might as well not have happened. He's now got two more years before he feels that anybody has to question his scoring record again. <laughs> we could be 24 months from this date and people might be like, Steve, why haven't you scored? He's like, what are you talking about? Last two years, scored a goal. What's the problem? That would presume that he's getting an extension on his contract next year. I Well, there's probably a clause in his contract that if he scores in a meaningless end-of-season defeat to Charlton, he gets another six years on his contract. He's going to play for Leeds United until he is a legend, and what he will be legendary for is for playing until he's 50 without scoring a goal. And Neil Warnock, well, he'll be even older by that, but I just <laughs> think how old Neil Warnock will be 20 years from now. He'll probably be Neil... Uh, Ken, he'll be Ken Bates' age, probably have his own radio station. <laughs> I tell you the lad, I said to Sharon, he'll be a legend. And it's all I hear now is legends. I don't know. So I'm imagining a future world where Ken Bates and Neil Warnock are essentially the same person. And Steve Morrison still plays for these night, even though he's 50 and hasn't scored a goal. Marvellous. Right. Well, all this uh, leaves us in 16th with two games to play. Would it be nice to finish 17th <laughs> just, for, just for fun? Yeah, that might annoy somebody. Um, we are one, what, one place below where we finished last year. So what a season it's been. Um, we've, we've lost five well, in a row. We've not won in six. It's well, quite an achievement, though, really, to, to be where we are. I mean, given on paper, we should have almost certainly gone down this year. Mm. That we haven't is a miracle. 
and it's good that the miracle worker is being rewarded the way that oh, he excellent. is. Yeah, it's good with forcing out the people, the few people who have who have who've done good work this year. It's good to get rid of them. The news. And that strange noise is the sound of the unsacking siren because we signalled the sacking siren. It's very different um, counterpart. It's it's brother siren. It's Brian McDermott back. No, no, nearly. Nicholas Salerno is is not. He's not sacked. He's not left. Apparently, is he back? Well, he's back in Leeds. It's hard to tell, you see, because um, Emma Giulianelli has mentioned on Twitter that he doesn't Reliable. speak English, so I don't think he can tell anybody whether he's back or not. One of the uh, quotes attributed to Nicholas Lerno was that he was going to come back to Leeds to fight, so somebody could tell him what has been going on, which did make him sound like much more of a motherfucker than he's normally presented as. It's like <laughs> as if he's going to stride back into Ellen Rose. Guy. What the fuck has been going on? <laughs> Why have why have I been in Italy for a week? Somebody I, I go on holiday and I come back to this. I bet he sounds like that. I bet he doesn't. If he can't speak English, what has he been doing? Everyone all says, the time? But everyone's been saying he's very nice, so he's kind of a. Well, if somebody's saying calling you a cocksucker in Italian, but with a smile on their face, would you necessarily know <laughs> if they were a nice person or not? And if Steve Thompson did call him a retard, how would he understand? Exactly. And slagging off his man bag, that's quite niche vocabulary, unless he, get, unless he, was, unless he hears it a lot. Unless that's what took two weeks for the, uh, for the suspension letter to come through. It's like leafing through his English to uh, Italian dictionary and suddenly came across a section entitled <laughs> Man Bag Abuse. Hang on a minute. Let's start in terms of sackings. Some of the people, Johnny Giles in particular in the papers, was saying, we should sack the Sick Note 6 who didn't mm-hmm. travel to Charlton. Uh, what are your thoughts on this then? They have various nicknames, don't they? The Lead Six, which makes them sound like bombers. bombers. Yeah. yeah. The Six Six, which is difficult to say. Mm. Uh, the Charlton Six. I quite like the Charlton Six because it gets that pub bombers, but also kind of pins the blame on Charlton a little bit instead of on us. It makes them sound like they've got maybe a, more of a more of an East End hard man edge to them as well. Like they, they disposed of some bodies like in Charlton. Part of Charlie Taylor's mob. That sort of thing. The, Char- the Charlie Taylor Six. Maybe that's what we should call them, the Charlie Taylor Six, even Don't though he's not involved. Him. Don't implicate him. Yeah, six men wouldn't go, wouldn't go to Charlton. We don't even need to talk about this really because just a week or so later... Andrew Umber's cleared it all up. Mm. As if the words of an anonymous spokesperson on behalf of Leeds United FC weren't enough. A spokesperson who didn't want to be named. Well, that's not or been... Or couldn't be named. Yeah, that's or, not been cleared up whether they were speaking off the record, therefore couldn't be named, or were speaking on the record and really had wanted to have nothing to do with what they were having to say. Reading a statement with a gun to their head. I am told that Marco Silvestri, severe back... Scratch, sorry, straight, sorry, spinal injury. Mirko Antonucci, um, hip injury, undefined. He said what on Twitter? Leg? He said what on? Well, it says here a hip injury. Just let me get through this. It's hard enough. Well, Papa Silvestri stirred the pot a little bit, didn't he, by mentioning that he thought um, the other four were up to silly buggers. Yes. The only thing that would have improved that if we could have had each one of their dads <laughs> separately coming out going, well, my lad was injured. The other five arseholes, putting it on, just saying. And if each one of them had turned, saying, what about my lad? And then it could have just been down to whose dad... Sounded a bit like Neil Warner. Whose dad was the hardest. That would have been exciting. With them all standing on the sidelines going like, Dad, I'd stop you, but my knee... 
you know. I thought it was your hip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's the Shooting pains. <laughs> Shooting pains. I think it's a nerve leg. thing. It's a nerve thing. It's all the way down. Well, Silvestri didn't help himself. That picture that you put out, yeah. Silvestri is getting most of the credit because we like him and because he's a good goalkeeper and he doesn't seem like... Sol Bamba doesn't twat. think so. He was furious at, furious at him. But that picture where he just looked like he'd drawn a, a red line up it his back. It wasn't bruised, was it? And then it was great when um, Nigel Martin got involved, who obviously played against it was was it against Rome against Rome, Rome the one he had a, a bad back of his worse own. than Bert Troutman wasn't it it was bro- broken broken neck well broken Nigel, it broke he broke his head Nigel Martin played the game of his life against Roma with a badly injured back and then when he sort of expressed some sarcastic sympathy with the injury that Silvestre was displaying and Silvestre retweeted it as if like <laughs> thank you for your support it, no I don't think it's just the, the cut it must be spinal as if yes. a yeah, bit of a jellyfish but never mind yeah, that was yeah. that was great. Well, Silvestri, Papa Silvestri, described the other fours as assholes. Mm-hmm. Um, Dominic Matteo described them as shitbags. Was that Ma- Matteo or Whelan? Uh, I, believe, I think it was Matteo. Matteo with shitbags. Whelan was just went for jolly japes the way he does now, <laughs> straight at the jocular. But all good value. Um, and yeah, it, it's. I mean, we don't need to dissect all the ins and outs of this, but it's been... somebody has to dissect their rotten corpses. I'm well, sure there'll be an opportunity soon because they're all so badly injured that they'll soon all be dead. Let's put it this way: as Chilino himself said, it was weird and not his fault. He stressed that too. I had nothing to do with these. I'm in Miami. I don't know. Antonucci was a weird one because surely Redfern has been attempting to earn him a new contract and well, a bonus, and then. He, for some reason, has sided seemingly with the people who didn't want him to get a bonus. Unless he hates it that much in Leeds, that he's thinking, don't stay another year. Well, there were the stories about um, that it was Simon Austin who put this out there that Antonucci was one of the people who was laughing when Steve mm. Thompson got suspended and Neil Redfin had to take him aside and say, Are you not aware that he's been suspended because me and him have been backing you against the chairman who doesn't want you to play? And Antonucci. Pres- by the sounds of it, just looked at him and went, ha, 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 all I can do is laugh. Well, he's got a very happy face, is Antonucci. He's always smiling. So. Behind that beard, giddiness and smiles. That's where he's, ha, ha, fear the beard. Ha, ha, I'm just loving life. He looks like Saddam Hussein when he was pulled out of his little little bunker. <laughs> but Evil of, men have beards. But thinking of a really funny joke. Peter Sutcliffe. Mm. <laughs> Antonucci. Had a beard. <laughs> Ken Bates has a beard. Captain Birdseye. There's evidence here. I mean, Abu Hamza beard. <laughs> I could go on, but yeah, do. <laughs> Give me a minute. Um, Rolf Harris. Rolf Harris beard. Yep. Brian Blessed not found guilty of anything as such. <laughs> but <laughs> just like to say, Brian Blessed is not. Uh, that was a joke, wasn't it? It's the exception that proves the rule. Anyway. Adam Clayton, beard. <laughs> Splendid. Um, I think we should move on. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, so even Morrison chipped in, didn't he? And, uh, and uh, yeah, it's been so going been, all season. Yeah, that wasn't welcome. I think we should ignore Morrison <laughs> and concentrate on the contribution of uh, Gaetano Berardi, who, although injured, wanted no part of that bullshit. And said, it sounds like he basically said, look, I'm never going to walk again, but get me on the bus, get me on the bench, just as long as I'm not associated with this. It was him in the anonymous spokesperson who probably said most about what was going on although, although Cellino's contribution was interesting where he said that it, it sounded like there was a problem between the manager and the chairman which was the most 
outrageous example of transatlantic shit stirring I could ever imagine. It's like, hey, I don't know. I mean, new Redfern, he's the manager. He, well, I thought you appointed him as head coach because you, you're the manager. He's manager. Uh, problem between him and the chairman. Aren't you sort of de facto banned? Uh, it's not me. All hey. I'm saying is I'm not banned. Everybody happy. Me banned. Mm. Oh, oh. <laughs> French again. <laughs> Football league says I can't come in anymore. More. I love to talk. I can't say anything. <laughs> good luck, but good luck. I'm thinking of you all. Thinking of you all. Yeah, put a little bit more, put a little more lotion on my back. <laughs> so that was that was big. A lot of things have kicked off at Leeds United this season, but I think six players essentially refusing to play that's big I mean Massimo may be over in Miami claiming none of this is to do with him (laughs) but I think a lot of people are kind of drawing a line back to see where this bread trail this trail of breadcrumbs leads and going hang on a minute Massimo this is all your fault no I'm banned no this is all your fucking fault no I'm banned for (laughs) been banned for years football league (laughs) I've never been to Leeds. Sean Alvey. <laughs> so I give you his number. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is the big um, everybody's lost it with Massimo moment and he can try and deflect all he wants. He said in one of his interviews with Simon Austin, he says, perhaps they think that they're doing me some kind of favour, but, you know, misplaced loyalty, guys. Thanks for the gesture. Really appreciate the flowers he sent, but please um, don't pretend to be injured to uh, undermine the manager anymore. Because people that might, is my job. Yeah, people might think I asked you to do that, and that would be bad. <laughs> well, he had quite a lot to say. He's spoken to Simon Austin, hasn't he? And a few things came out of that. Mm. Um, in amongst it, his surprise at a Steve Morrison goal. Yes, he actually spoke to Simon Austin during the Charlton game to say, "Can you believe it? A goal from Morrison? Fucking hell!" So we do. I warm to him a little bit when I hear things like that. Fucking <laughs> hell! I thought we had a drone strike. Stop this kind of thing. What's going on? Um, if the fans want to kick someone, kick me, he said. Oh, he's getting that. Kick me or <laughs> kick the chairman or the manager, because it sounds like it's a problem between them. Um, I, I am not a coward, and I'm not the sort of guy who tells his players to go on strike. I never use the people I love to protect me. <laughs> Let's just wind back to uh, Eleonora's backside, when that was prominently displayed in the wake of Darko Milanic's sacking. No, it was her thighs. Was, her backside was in the summer when there was... Um, uh, questions over whether he was the right person to take over the club. It was her thighs, um, and when uh, Darko Milanic was sacked that night. But he never uses the people I lo- he loves to protect me. Um, if he wants to do something, I have the balls to come out and do it myself. Now hang, let's hang review. on a second. Who sacked Darko <laughs> Milanic? <laughs> Salerno. While Ke- while um, I couldn't have called him Ken Bates then. While Massimo Cellino was telling the press, Milanic is being sacked right now <laughs> by Nicola Salerno. Acting on my authority, though, I'm, it's like me doing it Basically myself. me doing it, but not me. Who sacked Dave Hockaday? I'm pretty sure. It was Graham Bean, was it? <laughs> yes, probably. Well, yeah, the, Graham Bean did a lot of the sacking. I only found out about these players pulling out on Friday evening. I can't get involved with the club because of my ban. Just saying. Remember the ban? Did I mention I'm banned? Oh, he's banned, isn't he? Yeah. This, this all sounds a bit ominous and doom-like. I don't have much time. I want to see the team in the Premier League. This, was, this was one of the rare high points of this, really. <laughs> Him indicating he may be terminally ill. 
Okay, no, it was either that or I don't have much time. I'm going to buy Palmer. Either way, as long as he fucks off. <laughs> have you reached that point with him now? Yeah. Well, I've reached that point with him ages ago, really. I know we kind of we, we did mention it two weeks ago, didn't we? We sort of said, have we have we sort of reached the end of the line with him? And has, has the position worsened, worsened in your well, eyes? Well, it seemed when he disappeared briefly and we got Thompson in and we started winning games, you did almost think, well, if this is the future of Massimo's ownership of the club, we can probably live with this because mm. the madness disappeared and we had we had a quiet couple of months where there was nothing going on people weren't getting sacked every week and players weren't pulling out and we were winning games and it seemed like we were being run like a normal football club for a very brief period of time but it was a very very brief period of time the vast majority of his ownership of Leeds United has been an absolute circus from the <laughs> sacking of McDermott that evening and then Haig was sacked then Haig had to come back and then of what's Fester doing oh well you're not sacked but he's going to sit with you on the bench through to Hockaday and Milinic and Carbone, and you can just reel, reel off all these people who have briefly popped into the club. If you got them all back for some sign of end of season do, they would need about three tables at that bloody do just for the people who have who have been here under under him and then did, disappeared again. And a lot of security. Yeah, I was go- I was almost going to defend him against you, and I I I'll come back to that. But first, on McDermott's sacking, I loved how he's now tried to replay sacking McDermott before he even owned the club as a gesture of love for Neil Redfern because in that interview with Simon Austin he says uh, my, my dream was always to think of Neil Redfern people forget when I first came in after just 24 hours I put him on the bench I liked along him along with Gianluca Festa <laughs> I liked him and believed in him straight away and, and as well as Gianluca Festa <laughs> and as well as sacking Brian McDermott and as well as putting himself on the fucking bench as well for a period we knew uh, those pictures. Where was it? Which game was it? Watford. Was it Watford? Yeah, where he appeared on the bench, I sat was next a, to McDermott, and you just thought, oh, no. I was only there because Neil was Neil was busy. <laughs> so many had to be there. But um, no, I think you're being very, very unfair mm. to Missy Mochellino. How can you have lost your patience and come to the end of your tether with a man who has told us Monday, so two days since Missy Mochellino said... I had to change a lot of things. Keep the best players, bring in four new ones, the right ones. The fans are going to enjoy next season so much. It will be a beautiful season, I promise to them. Two days after he promised you that we are going to get four new players, the right players, to play with the best ones who he's going to keep, and that next season we're going to enjoy it so much, it will be beautiful. That is a promise. How can you hear those words and say that you don't want to be part of that? It's, it's a good point. I suppose what I'd maybe look at is, a, is, is his time so far and the stuff he said last summer. We buy Alan Road. I buy a bus. We buy good players. We buy good players. Ross McCormack, he's going nowhere. He's not for sale. We keep our good players. Yeah, he's not really done that, has he? No. Mm-hmm. What we, we did was we sold our best player, undoubtedly. Um, and didn't buy any of the other stuff, did we? We bought people like Zan Benedicic without a medical. Gianluca Festa is now the head coach at dun, 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 Cagliari. Do you think? Do you think? I, I, it's, I don't do think? even know how to like concoct a decent conspiracy theory out of that because he he sold Cagliari, didn't he? Mm. Definitely. Oh, he should, didn't he? Didn't but it looks he? like they're going down, and the guy who's there now can't afford to keep them. So. Almost as if he was still in charge. <laughs> oh no! Surely, I mean, the sale of Cagliari was a very involved thing with him 
photographed shaking hands with somebody who he had sold the club to, and then it turned out, I didn't even know who that guy was. <laughs> I still own it. I don't fuck. <laughs> and then he had to sell somebody else who, and there was uh, Qatari groups, it was Chinese interest. All of it, we suspect, a fiction, but we were pretty certain that the person that he did then sell to in the end existed. Yeah, I think they did exist, yeah. It's like a weird Coronation Street style thing where the same characters do a variety of things, like they're married to that person one year, then but the other year they're married to someone else, but no one really seems to remember that they were married to the other person. It's just got, it's got its own internal sort of logic, yeah. but not in any real world does it, do these things happen. It's like an alternative universe where the only options as managers are Gianluca Festa, yeah. Dave Hockaday... When Dave Hockaday turns up as manager of Cagliari, then we know something Nigel Gibbs seriously will weird pop is up going on. At some point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nigel Gibbs will be like the next, he'll be chairman of Cagliari. He'll probably buy the club. Fester, yeah, head coach at Cagliari now. And something else that's featuring in amongst all this narrative is the yacht, the Nelly. Well, mm. um, it went to the next stage of the appeals in Italy. And had it been overturned, then he could have come back into Ellen Road, couldn't he? However, it's gone a bit the other way. The appeal court in Italy has actually increased the fine uh, of Cellino from €600,000 to €800,000, which is twice the value of the VAT that he needed to pay in the first place, which was 400000 And I'm sure that outside that courtroom is Johnny Coconut standing on the steps, confidently declaring... <laughs> it's a victory, eh? Yeah, we, we, will, we will win in the end, and you will all <laughs> see... And there will probably also be scattered across the internet a lot of people still saying that this is a fine for nothing. It's picking on him. It's done nothing wrong. The fact that they have now increased his fine from 600,000 to 800,000 is just the next stage in the process that will eventually find him innocent. It's a very it's a very expensive parking ticket. And speaking of which, the judgment in his next case, we believe, is due to be handed down on June the 23rd. That's so, only for a trivial thing. Is that is the, the, the Range, is, the is range, the range Rover, Rover, I think, okay. this one? I went to the embezzlement of public funds. Oh, that's way off. Ah, I didn't even do that. Not really. <laughs> the money was just resting in his account. Who... Who wouldn't embezzle public funds if they had the chance? Well, exactly. Moving on then. On to, uh, again, another strange character. We mentioned him before. Andrea, Hmm. this mysterious young man. Does he have a surname? No. Tabanelli. It's the soap opera. He's returned. I do hope it's Tabanelli. (laughs) That hadn't even occurred to me. God, I wish it was. That would be amazing. Strange backstory there. Was he working in a furniture shop in Miami? And and Mrs. C decided she took a shine to him. Like the Maltese waiter that Mrs. Bates took um, a shine to. I was going to... I was just looking for the um, evidence of that to draw that exact parallel because so many people say how much better than Ken Bates Massimo Cellino is. But then his wife the exact same <laughs> shit. Now, in fairness, um, Mrs. Bates wanted to get this Maltese kid on a football trial. This, I think Andrea's just been working around the shop, probably a zero-hours contract, you know, sleeping in a, a cargo hold somewhere. And I bet he still wishes he was doing that for rather than <laughs> walking into this mess at, at Leeds. I've just found the quote from Ken Bates about our Maltese-er. Uh, uh. <laughs> Maltese-er, uh, yes. On a slightly different note, we have to... Um, we can do this a little bit faster because he was a younger man and healthier. Fortunately, his uh, his condition is declining, um, as can be clearly heard in the le- in the expanding length of time it takes to do an impression of Ken Bates nowadays. Back in the day, two- July two thousand and ten, so we can wrap oh, spring this. chicken. Then uh, on a slightly different note, where we were in motor recently. In fact, it was a- on a slightly different note, <laughs> where we were in motor recently. Uh, Susanna saw this uh, smart young man who caught her eye and smiled. She said, do you play football? 
And it turned out, yes, he bloody does. He's coming over to join our academy for a fortnight, but at least he's keen, hardworking, he's big and he's strong. He plays for one of the top clubs, junior sides in Malta. And who knows, we might unearth another future star. We're doing this all the time in unexpected directions because we need to improve our youth teams and the quality of our reserves, so more hard work. That was Ken Bates back when he was a spring chicken in July of 2010. We're doing this all the time. Meanwhile... Doing what? (laughs) We're recruiting young Maltese, fit young men that my wife has taken a shine to and wants to bring home with her. And I see absolutely nothing wrong with that because I am still in the prime of my life. As fit as the day I was first diagnosed with my club foot back in 1832. (laughs) Well, speaking about Broken Academy, Lewis Cook... He kept me out of the boy (laughs) war. But I am still exactly the same young man that Suzanne (laughs) fell in love with. Yeah, speaking of our Broken Academy, um, Lewis Cook wins Apprentice of the Year. So... The, the Football League's obvious and sustained vendetta against Leeds United continues as he wins Championship Apprentice of the Year. Well done, Lewis Cook. He paid a beautiful tribute to Neil Redfern, to Lucy Ward, and then an enforced tribute to Massimo Cellino, who ordered Dave Hockaday to give him his debut. Thanks to them as well. Um, Lucy, can I go home, please? <laughs> Henry Winter wrote a very good piece. Um, around the whole thing as well. He's a Leeds fan. Whether he is or he isn't, he's a respected person who's, who is actually telling telling it as it is, which I think is important because I think mm. we're all entrenched in this shit, whereas other people maybe don't quite know the extent of what's going on. So it's nice that people like that are uh, sticking their head above the parapet to say what's going on there is a shambles. Use the occasion of probably the last significant honour that Lewis Cook will win with our club to hammer home. And the it's la- the last significant honour he'll yeah. win with our club and it's not his fault. Yeah, so just to tie up the Andrea thing, the, the weird, mm. the weird story there. Just to return to that, um, he's he's a translator. There is a translator, isn't he? A Salerno's translator. Yes, uh, been working as an intern in the shop, then helping. But <laughs> this is the best bit. It poss- possibly um, tells a story, doesn't it? That the staff at Ellen Road soon started to nickname him the Spy, and it stuck. Yes, well, that's around the time when this guy who was um, helping out in the sh- in the club shop and assisting Salerno as his interpreter then started turning up in the boardroom. That's not where, not necessarily where he should be, mm. but uh, but there he was. I loved how this was phrased, actually, when it says, um, and he would turn up at the Thorpe Arch cha- training ground where he would ask questions and occasionally voice opinions. Mm. A 23-year-old French furniture salesman from Miami. Will you be buying another season ticket? Michael, you've got your 20-year season ticket. I presume that runs for a while, yet. Yeah? If anybody is interested in buying that, <laughs> podcast at thesquareball.net. But the advertising, the advertising is so good. That is the one half-decent thing which is made shit by the fact we will sell all of those players on that picture. <laughs> we can't sell David Batty again. <laughs> can't we? Uh, I have to say, though, all, all that joking aside, it is a great advert and absolute credit to them for sticking it up in Huddersfield train station. Just where it belongs. Absolutely where it belongs. No, it's, it's a beautiful piece of work. I'm, I want to try and find the uh, the acting. Is your head not in the background on it somewhere? You can actually see me in the background. You're in the background at a lot of uh, a lot of these scenes. The JFK assassinated. You can see you there. Grassy Knoll, wasn't he? Yeah. The twin towers go down. Who's that peeping out of that other window at the side? I had the honour of being in the background and hearing the outtakes of Lewis Cook saying, I don't know, guys, that's normal. The several outtakes of him saying, I don't know, guys, that's Norman. So that was pretty exciting. And it was great. Yeah, it was 
it was quite a lot of fun. In fact, it was a lot of fun because I got to go up to that uh, football pitch on Beggars Hill at Beeston and watch Sam Byram, Alex Mowat, Charlie Taylor, Lewis Cook was standing at the side with his foot in a, an orthopaedic boot, having a kickabout with some kids, and that was lovely. Alex Mowat did elbow a small boy <laughs> um, off the ball and walk away as if nothing had happened, sort of Jack Charlton style, just fucking late. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Dim out and then walked away, but it was pretty annoying, kids, so that was fair enough. Um, Charlie, did, I, I'm did you get told, told off by somebody at Leeds United for teasing Sam Byram? Well, we took, we took each of those young players and we stood them on the steps and we took a, a photograph of them with Ellen Road in the background, which looked brilliant. And what was nice about that was Charlie Taylor was pretty quiet, so he didn't say anything, but Sam Byram, Lewis Cook, Alex Moore were each separately, so they didn't know the other ones had, stu- had said this, went and stood on those steps and looked at where we were going to ask them to stand and looked at the ground in the background and they went, Holy hell, looks good from up here, doesn't it? And we were like, what does? Ground. Ellen Rowe looks really good from up here. And you're like, stop trying to make me cry. <laughs> but yeah, Sam Byram, I'd had dealings with Sam Byram on a photo shoot before, which took ages. This one was, was, much, uh, was much quicker, and so you appreciate that. And, uh, um, and I said, yeah, um, he's, he asked me, he was like, that was a long time ago. When was that? I said, well, it was the... Uh, the start of uh, last season when we, we weren't allowed to actually ask you any questions in case we um, inadvertently started discussing your future and an impending transfer to a big Premier League club. It's almost like we've come full circle. <laughs> and, uh, and then as he was standing with Alan Rod in the background, after he'd said, God, that was good, doesn't it? I said, uh, you, you wouldn't rather that was the Etihad in the background, would you? <laughs> He's like, what? And Maybe next season there will be a photograph of Anfield behind you. And at that point, Matt Diamond, who is the press officer, told me to uh, stop stirring it. (laughs) 
But yes, but if you look very carefully, you can see uh, me between the legs of, I think it's like Luciano Sam, Becchio. Sam Byron's legs. <laughs> if only, if only. Let's do the weekly Ken then. This is where we listen to Ken's rants that have gone from YouTube now to Audio Boom. We listen so you don't have to, which I think is a good community service of us. Well, if you are wondering who to vote for in the upcoming elections, perhaps it would be a good a good time to actually listen because um, there is a 12-minute special on the uh, Yorkshire Radio audio boom of Ken Bates gives us his thoughts on the upcoming general election. You might have you might struggle to find it because they have uploaded it with the title Ken Bates 20 slash 4, almost as if they're ashamed of it and don't want anybody to find it, so they just put it up with the Ken Bates 20. So please don't listen. Please don't listen. It's Ofcom. Please don't listen. But you can, if you want, hear 12 minutes of quality, in-depth political discussion. Well, it's not so much, it's more of a monologue. So, diatribe? Who's Ken, who's Ken voting green, I imagine? Um, well, he opens... Monologue or diatribe? Um, the, uh, we've, we've not named the, the disc jockey who interviews him because we don't know if he has a name or if he... Willing He'd to rather not be identified. But he does, he's like, uh, KB, a lot of issues... Um, and they do the the main issue. Well, the first issue, the opening issue, is immigration. Oh God! Does also appear to be the ending issue as well. And in between, um, yes, it's 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 not. So do, much can I just? I haven't heard this. Okay, yeah. so I'm I'm just going off what you're telling me. I'm sort of getting the impression mm-hmm. he's not really into foreigners, which um, is ironic given his penchant for uh, bringing in Maltese boys. Well, he does. Um, they know the place, though. Those Maltese boys. <laughs> well, yeah, his main problem with uh, immigration, you just say, um, but if you want an indication, he doesn't come out in favour of any particular political party. Because you're not allowed to. But the only one that he does not slag off is UKIP. But only UKIP have said they'll stop it. Immig- stop what? Immigration. Immigration. There comes, um, mm-hmm. And that's the start of, uh, yeah, the first six minutes are a confused rant. His logic is that if, if they stop immigration, there'll be more jobs for British people because unqualified British people can then do those jobs. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm fed up of them all coming over here and taking our jobs. Is that, what, he's, is that what he's saying? That is what he's saying, basically, yeah. is that British people can have their jobs back. And also, if we get rid of those self-same immigrants who are taking all our jobs, Good. they'll also stop taking our benefits um, so we can have our benefits back. So we can have our benefits and our jobs. Yes. So they're taking all the jobs. And benefits. And, and all, all the, the benefits. benefits, yes. Coming over here, taking our benefits. And our jobs. And our jobs. And our jobs. Yes, yeah. and if they leave, then we can have both. We can apparently have jobs and benefits. That'd be all right. Given the amount of benefits we'll, be, we'll have in reserve, I mm. plan on giving up my job and just taking the extra benefits. If jobs with, <laughs> if jobs with benefits is anything like friends with benefits, <laughs> then I see that's the future of the modern <laughs> workplace. <laughs> if you keep winning the election, go straight into work and grab the nearest, <laughs> the nearest person you like the look of in your workplace. And just go for and it. extract all the benefits you can. So that's the first six minutes, and then the second six minutes is basically exactly the same as the first six minutes. But he does, and he says, uh, "All I can say on immigration at the present time <laughs> is that it's terrible and it shouldn't be allowed." Said uh, said <laughs> said uh, born Londoner Ken Bates of Monaco. So um, he, yeah, so he's an immigrant in Monaco. He th- he does also having, he goes having, on, having at some point as well. Annexed might be a harsh word, but annexed a, a Caribbean island. <laughs> yes. Annexed. He does go on. He does get off of uh, immigration after all, and goes on to he objects to NHS managers earning 
um, £800,000 a year and having a £2.5 million pension put when you and me, my pension put is only £170 per month. Right. Can I just interject for a second? Yes. I'm just going to lob this one out there that I don't think he's living off 170 quid a month in Monaco. No. And I also don't think that the £2.5 million pension pot at the uh, management level of the NHS is per person per month like his £170 per month. So I'd say the £2.5 million pension pot of the whole NHS, it's not a fair comparison with the mere £170 that he has to make do with per month. If he is only getting £170 a month, that is not going to cover his broadband because he was billing us five grand a month, wasn't he, for... Just for his, his broadband and his fax machine. Of yeah. course he was, yes. I'd probably say that anybody could live That's on quite, I'm just going to put... He should basically get on like one of those price comparison websites. Use his broadband for that because he could probably get that down a bit. A little bit. I don't... I mean, I don't pay anything like five grand a month. My, I think mine's more like <laughs> two or three thousand pounds a month is all I'm paying. But you'll have to let me know who you're with because I, I could save a lot of money if I switch. Um... <laughs> As always with Ken on these things, rank hypocrisy is the thing that we like to pick through and go through. So when he says it's uh, this is the worst general election I've endured in my quite long life. And if he's going to tell jokes, don't tell jokes about him living for a long time because it's not funny. Quite long life. Um, he complained that in the debates nobody was making any points. They were just abusing each other. That's the sound of a pot hitting he a should, kettle He, he right should there. enjoy this general election because there might not be another one for five years. He'll be around for it. He'll, he'll probably be standing in the next one. <laughs> um, and then he says at the end, he says, my advice, get behind the bomb. It takes him a few attempts to say bombast. It sounds like he's saying the bum bus. <laughs> get behind the bum bus. Nail an MP. I think we're back to jobs with benefits, but then nail <laughs> an MP. I thought, what is bombast? Ask specific questions and get. Isn't it a shaggy song? Specific answers and don't be fobbed off. It's funny which, when, you, when you say that. Yes, the specific questions for specific answers. Don't be fobbed off. The Q&A I went to at Ellen Road where he was there and I asked him who'd be paying the legal bills after he'd been making libelous comments in, the, in the programme. A specific question. A specific question. What, the way he answered that was to say, look, we saw more programmes than Everton and Manchester City and you've got your opinions and that's what football's all about. You see, that is a specific <laughs> answer. But that's a specific answer to the question, how many programmes do we sell? <laughs> do we sell more programmes than Everton and Man City? Is maybe what he thought I had asked. Not who's paying the... Yeah. Yeah. That was that, was that young Ken Bates stuff. <laughs> what year was this? It's in the 50s. Cool, blimey, governor. <laughs> you were, they're, they're rolling in shillings down at Gaddison Park, the Toffeyman. <laughs> to be fair, Ken has been grilled by Ben Fry on a few occasions. He's faced tough... Tough questions before. He didn't. There was one question in this. It was basically. <laughs> Ken, hang on a second, yeah. right? Can have I, you got anything to KD, say? KD, we've uh, we've been told you that you want to do. Uh, <laughs> we've been told you you're a daft old racist. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you talk for twenty minutes? I'm going to put put the kettle on. <laughs> uh, we'll be we'll upload it. We'll upload it to audio, but with such disinterest that we won't even change the fucking file name. <laughs> Ken Bates twenty slash four. Shall we put a headline in it? No. Nobody needs to hear this. Just upload the bastard thing. Um, so hang on a second. There was one question. He talks for 12 minutes. How did he manage to get from UKIP to Johnny Housen? Oh, this was his separate um, 
separately. He did a, an, his usual 25-minute weekly can. Oh, right, a different a separate one. separate right. thing right. where oh, they... Okay. Uh, um, oh, so it was an election special? It was an election special. <laughs> Excellent. Um, which I would encourage uh, Radio Yorkshire to do, or Yorkshire Radio, I can never remember. Whichever. To do more of in the, uh, in the hope that they all come to Ofcom's attention and get them <laughs> shut the fuck down. Meanwhile, so yes, his normal Leeds United land um, was just after Johnny Halston scored uh, against us for Norwich. And the line of questioning here was much tougher. It was... Um, why don't you tell us exactly what happened with uh, Johnny House and Sale? Because a lot of Leeds fans are still confused and upset. Um, so he tells us exactly what what happened is that Johnny Housen was coming into the last year of his contract at Leeds United and he would not discuss a new contract. He says he was evasive. I couldn't quite catch it, but it sounded like he was saying he wouldn't even look at me. And then he goes on to the, the uh, investigation. The problem was we looked at John's birth certificate and he was 24 on the 29th of June. I like, that's the trust that Ken Bates placed in his players. Johnny, when's your birthday? Ah, uh, 29th of June. No, get his birth certificate. I want to know when that son of a bitch was born. And his contract ran out on the 30th of June. So it meant that his contract ran out a day after he turned 24. And so the cl- he could basically walk away without compensation. And then in the game against Millwall, Johnny went down like a bag of bricks. With an injury, and while he was out injured, Norwich came in and offered £1.8 million, um, and we had no alternative. We were, we were paying his wages. He wasn't, oh, he I rem- wasn't I remember that from the time. It's yes. almost like, yeah, hang on a second, players will get injured in this physical contact spot, and, and we've got to pay them. We took £1.8 million and put it in the pot. There's no pot. There was no it pot. It was a great was tragedy. A I think he might be talking pot? about the NHS pensions pot. Ah. <laughs> It was a great tragedy. Even though he was, even though he was club captain, he didn't show loyalty to the club. Uh, Bradley Johnson was different. He wanted the same wages as Johnny House. Now we, this stands up because he wanted parity, didn't he? And we weren't going to give them he to him. He wanted parity. Um, and then he moves on to Luciano Becchio. I'm not a vindictive person. Um, um, let's review Ken Bates' vindictive person. What do we think? Yes. I'll no? just, I will just invoke the Levi clause that we did last time. Ken says no. Ken says he's not can't, vindictive. The can't say otherwise. I'm not a vindictive person, but I'm not unhappy about his subsequent career. He walked out when his agent wouldn't sign a new contract, and three months after he went, he was sending messages saying he wanted to come back. Sorry, I'm, you okay? I'm tearing up. Don't, what should we do, Michael? I think he's gone. I mean, I, when he says sending messages... Just edit, edit like, it out like we always do. It's like a, a <laughs> Valentine's card? Or maybe, maybe. Maybe tapped out in Morse? Well, anyway, his career's gone from bad to nothing. Is he now at Preston? I think he's got a goal recently. Yes, according yeah. to Ken Bates, um, <laughs> Luciano Becchio is now playing for Preston and scoring goals. Snodgrass was an interesting one. He, he always, on he always confuses the foreigners, doesn't he? Yeah. Becchio, of course, in Ken's brave new world, all immigration needs to be stopped. Yes. Close yeah. those damn borders. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> to um, paraphrase it. <laughs> immigration is terrible and shouldn't be allowed. Yes. So, RG, go home. And also probably um, Snodgrass go home because uh, he does have a little bit of a problem with the SNP's presence in the in this election, does all Ken. But when it comes to Snodgrass, he simply said, I want to go now because I've got a chance to go to the premiership and get mid- big money. According to Ken, we said we would match it. Mm-hmm. There is then a long involved explanation on behalf of Snodgrass saying that um, if he were to, he has to think of his family because if he were to break a leg tomorrow, then 
uh, he would still want them to be to get his wages as if he was playing for their security. He had to think of his career, which sort of implies that Leeds United were either offering to match Premier League wages for perhaps a month, and then that would be it, or that there would be no insurance that if he did get injured, basically, I mean, we'll match Premier League money, but when we you, get there, if you get injured, uh, you're you're out on your own. Good luck. You saw what we did with Housen. We sold him to Norwich. So that's what happened to the Norwich four. Meanwhile, the Leeds, I couldn't bring myself to listen to him in depth on the Leeds United accounts. I just heard him saying that the new accounts that have been released raise more questions than answers. Mm. And then the mm. hypocrisy siren. We don't have a hypocrisy siren. That good old other section in the, <laughs> in the, that used to account for about normally, it was normally between about five about million four quid. or five million quid was yeah. in other. Others, other stuff, stuff, other stuff, stuff we can't be bothered. Explaining. Petty cash. He did for coffees, milk, day to day stuff. He day to day running of the club. Beautifully start tearing Broad, into uh, broadband. Start tearing into Massimo Cellino's letter in the accounts where Cellino said that he he wants to rebuild relationships with the fans in the city. And Ken Bates says, "Well, if he wants to do that, perhaps the board could take the first step by telling people what's going on." Well, the hypocrisy siren just broke at that point. Yeah. Millions of people fleeing in fear at the terrible sound that they're hearing. I don't even know where to start with the idea that, of Ken Bates saying that if Leeds United FC want to rebuild relationships with the fans in the city, they should start by telling people what's going on. That's Ken Bates who never, ever told us who actually owned the club while he was chairman. He's not they didn't tell us, he didn't know. Yeah, he really didn't know, did he? He didn't know. It's not his fault. He would have told us what was going on, but he did not know. Yeah, this he, is like this feels until like, he bought it. Yes, and then he wouldn't tell us who he bought it from. No, well, he didn't know that either. And then he wouldn't. He tell had us to leave some money in a bin in his services. And for and example, someone the, gave him a football club. It's taken for him until now for him to tell us lies about Johnny Housen's transfer <laughs> when he wouldn't even bother lying to us at the time. Um, anyway, the closing. It's now traditional uh, competition for the Monaco Grand Prix. Hey, he's, end, he's ending on a high. Uh, the seats, the, um, the seats we've got are in the last. Ro- There's two this year. Uh, are in the last row or so remain grandstand. Well, one of them is the other one. Is uh, <laughs> it's is in Barcelona? It's where the finishing line is, and because you're at the back of the stand, you can look over and see the start as well. So it's unique. Sorry. So he, you get a seat at the very back row of the stand. Yes, miles away from the action. So you can't see the finishing line. Well, you can see it, but it's distant. And if you turn around, you can see the far distant starting line. Which is also, yes, it's also in distance. So you, can, you have distant views of two things that are important, <laughs> but at least you can see them both, and that's unique. Um, and yes, this year, you don't just get the one ticket that has been offered previously. You do get two tickets, so one lucky guy and his mate or wife... Or partner. Anyone? <laughs> Although I don't think they like motorsports. So, <laughs> uh, so you get two tickets for for the run-up practice on the Saturday and the grand final on the Sunday. Imagine oh, it's that. Changed. It's changed. Gr- yeah. It's not the semi-final and final yeah. anymore. It's the run-up practice <laughs> and the grand final of the Monaco Grand Prix. Imagine. <laughs> I, I think it's Wigan against St. Helens. <laughs> So after the complaints that we don't talk about football enough, let's talk about another lead chairman um, in this Thank section. God we've got a straightforward, trustworthy guy in charge now. Let's let's talk about um, Andrew Umbers and his, his Q&A. 
with Phil Hay. We have to admit in advance that this will not be about football because Andrew Umbers stresses, as he said to Phil Hay, you have to remember that I'm in charge of the business side of Leeds United, not the footballing side. I want to be clear about that. So we have to be clear to anybody tuning into this next section hoping to hear about football. You have to remember that this is about the business side of Leeds United, not the footballing side. We we want to be as clear as Andrew Umber. That's your disclaimer right about now. That. Yeah, yes. There's a disclaimer in this section. If not, skip forward 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, save yourself. This was quite exciting. Uh, Phil Hay just published a transcript. Fuck writing an interview. Just read what I have to deal with every day of my life. It was very telling that he did that. It was just very much, I'm just going to get this down on record. It reminded me of when we used to have the Ken Bates transcripts on mm. the, the Square Ball site. No embellishments needed, just just here you go, this is what he said. You can pick through that yourself and realise what of it is made up. People did used to ask why we did that and the answer was clear, so we could hold this wanker to account. And um, I'm not implying that Phil Hay has published this so we can hold this wanker to account. Yeah, I am. But he probably wouldn't call him a wanker, not to his face, probably just as soon as he put the phone down at the end of this conversation. So let's talk about what he said then. Um, obviously, people will have read it, so we don't need to do the whole thing verbatim. But let's pick out the highlights, like, mm. like match of the day. Well, the first highlight is where he does say that he's in charge of the business side and not the footballing side, because then when you look through the rest of the structure, he goes on to say that Nicholas Salerno had a responsibility to look after all the footballing side of Leeds post Massimo's disqualification. So, so we can be clear about who is running things at Leeds United because the implications always are that Massimo Cellino, despite being in Miami, he's in control. But Umbers says, no, I'm in control of the business side. Nicholas Salerno is in charge of the footballing side. He then goes on to say that Nicholas Salerno is absent. And then when pressed, because that's not really a satisfactory answer, he says, well, he found the social media and everything else too much. He took the reaction to Steve Thompson's suspension pretty badly, actually. He felt he wasn't welcome. He's a fantastic guy, a lovely guy, and he'll remain absent. So essentially, nobody is in charge of the footballing side apart from Neil Redfern. The manager? The head coach. Well, Massimo called him a manager, so... Well, I'm pretty sure he's hired as a head coach, though. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure that he would probably appreciate there being somebody at boardroom level, perhaps with some executive direction, not just Andrew Umbers sitting in an empty boardroom with Eduardo Cellino going like, do you give a fuck? I'm only here to do the business. Eduardo, no. Neil, don't care. Talk to Steve Tom. Ha, sorry, joking. So if Massimo is absolutely in charge of Neil Redfern's future, which is what he says... How did Salerno decide to get rid of Thompson then? What, what's happened there? Apparently it was personal between the two of them. Right. And Phil Hay... Don't, don't, don't bring your problems to work. Phil Hay did ask if they investigated fully Nicholas Salerno's uh, reasons for sacking him. He had to ask him a couple of times to sort of say, did you actually... Because you, you just supported that. Nicola wanted him sacked, so we sacked him. So did you check whether his reasons were sound? Yeah. Well, can you talk about those reasons? No. Did you t- did you put those reasons to Steve Thompson? I don't know if that question was asked, <laughs> but I don't think I don't think that he was told properly, was he? I don't think Redfern doesn't seem to know why he was sacked. No, but Nicholas Salerno does, and he's absent. He and def- and, he and can't speak a word of the Queen's. Maybe that was the reason they refused to speak Italian. Therefore, I'm sacking them, and now I'm quitting. 
well, everything Andrew Wumbus says about Nicolas Salerno and his role in being in charge of the football side is undermined by two things. One, the fact that he's fucked off. And two, the fact that he fucked off after making this decision that Andrew Wumbus says that the board supported him on, backed him 100%. Um, mm. If I had that backing for a decision I had made, I would perhaps stick around and, and see it through. Well, he has taken it badly because he's deleted all his tweets, removed any reference to Leeds United in his Twitter profile. He's, he's had a bit a big old strop. He may get over it. Though. I mean, the, the door isn't closed. Although when Andrew Umber says he's a fantastic guy, a lovely guy, and he will remain absent, um, he does then say that we'll see what happens in the close season. So we'll see what happens. He, he could be back. He, he might not be. He might as, be. Might, as might Neil Redford. As might Darko Milanic. Hockaday. Still technically on gardening leave. Brian. Hockaday's, Hockaday's had other jobs since. Mm. Milanic, I think, has moved his garden to the Malvins on Beeston Hill. Um, I was going to ask one thing that was very important that came out of this. Are you pleased to see him saying that we are not selling our best players? We are not selling our young players. The fans can be assured, and they'll judge me on my word, that you'll see not only those young players, but an improved squad by the start of next season. Am I pleased to see him say that? Define improved. Well, it's, it's in black and white, isn't it, about the young players there. They are not going anywhere. Mm. He does have a bit of a tendency to stretch the truth a bit in these things. Remember when, it, remember when, um, when he, he successfully sold the club to GFH and he said that they were perfect to build upon the uh, prudent Legacy, stewardship yeah. of Ken Bates? Mm. And how, did that, how did that one pan out? Well, in this, it doesn't he say that there's always lots of interest in Leeds United. People always want to buy Leeds United. But no one else was going to build on the prudent um, well, he, stewardship of Ken Bates in quite the same way. No. Well, he, but he said then GFH were the only buyer that came forward, so those two statements don't tally up, do they? What you get throughout this is that Umbers is a man who will say anything as long as he's getting paid. <laughs> in your opinion? In my opinion. And he's a man that we can't trust, so am I pleased to hear him say that we're in not In your selling, opinion? Am I pleased to see him saying we're not selling our best players? No. It means essentially I, nothing. Yes, because I don't believe a word of it. They'll judge me on my word. What well, Your word is worth absolutely nothing. We'll not only see those young players, but an improved squad by the start of next season. The first part of that is uh, definite. Um, we'll either see those young players or we'll not. An improved squad is very subjective. We were told we had an improved squad at the start of this season when we had Zamba Nedicic and Dario Del Fabro. They, I would dispute whether our squad, our squad, which is on course to finish a place worse than we finished last season, it's hard to argue that it's improved. Mm. So that's subjective for next season. But um, yeah, he's nailed his course to the cross. As Graham Bean, who is who's a bit of a blast from the past, the recent past, um, and has suddenly piped up much more on Twitter, having his say about these things pointed out, we may well see them at the start of next season, um, and they may well be offered the and sign the new contracts that Leeds United say that they are going to offer them. Umber says that things have been going on behind the scenes and things will be announced that we will like when the implication is that, for example, Lewis Cook will get a fantastic Well, he's been, he's been telling people, hasn't he, that Cook has signed a contract and it'll be announced at the end of the season. Yeah. So, however, as Graham Bean countered that, he says that that does, however, make them much more valuable in the January transfer window or even the summer transfer window. We're going to say we have absolutely no record of that ever having happened. 
<laughs> um, at Leeds. Offering a player a new contract and then only selling them. a week later. Yeah. yeah, so we may well see them at the start of next season with their fat new contracts, but we may well also see them sold before September for an even fatter fee, which will, I'm sure, be reinvested in I can see the way this is probably going to play out is that they'll say, well, they signed a new contract, but the players insisted upon having a release clause in it, mm-hmm. and then they made it very clear they wanted to leave. We don't know what's changed. We, yeah, yeah. These, no young, these young bastards. I mean, all we did was get rid of every, Ed, single, every been, single person. Heads have been turned. The heads have been turned. It's not our fault Neil chose to leave and that there was no one actually left at the academy, which was also sold. I don't know why they've left. It's not our fault that they followed Neil and Lucy to Barnsley. <laughs> We don't know what we could have done to change their minds. Um, we know now, then, that, that this could, because Mr. Rumbers has said so. Has any, Phil's question, has any third party or potential buyer of the club performed due diligence on the club's accounts? And we've got a fairly comprehensive answer there. No. Categorically, 100%. No. Do you believe him? No. No. Categorically, 100%. No. But equally, if, they'd have, if he just said yes, I would have thought, no, they haven't. Yeah, that's probably a lie. <laughs> Look He's... at him. <laughs> Look at his face. He's not done a great deal in his time associated with the club apart from sales to GFH, but he's done enough to render himself probably the least trustworthy bastard to be involved with this club for years. And bearing in mind, Sean Harvey was, in your in opinion. His, was CEO of this club. Um, yes, this is all, I'm speaking on a personal basis that my perception of whether I would trust these people. Based on the with, available information. Based on the information available to me, yes, which is would, it's fair comment, Moscow. I would not give these people a pound if I, even if I had ninety nine more to lose. I, I saw someone um, on Wacko. I can't give the person credit, unfortunately, but it did make me laugh. Someone said he looks like a combination of George Osborne and Thomas the Tank Engine. Coming up, and as if by magic, let's talk about football again. Let's do that. We've got two games coming up. The last two yawned as you said that. <laughs> the last oh god, not football. <laughs> the last two games of the season. I hate football. The Tom Lee's derby. We've got Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday, followed by the following Saturday, Rotherham at home to conclude the season. Forty sixth and final game. Thank God, by Christ. Looking forward to it being over. Yeah, that's fair comment. I've had enough now. Wednesday away, that'll be fun though. Mm. We can um, go happy slapping. Exercise the ghost of that 6 0. Of course, we will. Try not to punch a goalkeeper. Yeah. We might see another Michael Tong well, streamer because he came back on. Listen, well. we need to Assistant offer, manager. We need, to, we need to offer our congratulations to Sheffield Wednesday because they have won the finishing above Leeds trophy this year. A lot of their fans were active on social media mm. over the weekend, um, making it very clear they were delighted to have secured. The position of well, four places above us and seven points above us with only six points to play for. So bravo for them. Well done, then. Well you done, know what lads. disgusted me most about this? Go on. Tom Lee's smug face. Did he look happy? No. He just looked He looked sternly smug and it was disgraceful. When was this? His whole life. Oh, okay. I mean, listen, we've, we've had a pretty crap season, so I'm not quite sure why they're getting so uppity about this. It's, it's no big thing. Those that are below us should be thoroughly ashamed of themselves. I mean, had we been sixth and they finished above us, then fair enough. But we're not. We're, uh, we've been pretty bad, all, all things considered. Much of it self-inflicted. Anyway, they've only lost one in six, and that was to Norwich. Um, played one or two other Yorkshire clubs, haven't they, in, in recent times. They beat Rotherham and drew uh, at home to Huddersfield. So, uh, does it matter? Yeah. It, it matters in the sense that, according to Neil Redfern's contract, his future has to be decided before 
the Rotherham game. And so I would suggest to him that he goes into that conversation with a stronger hand if he hasn't lost six in a row. If he wins these next two games 10 nil each, he probably still won't stay. I think it is too late because those five losses in a row does mean that the moment has kind of gone. Like all Neil Redfern's defences against the people who will idiotically support the decision to sack him are gone because they just say, well, he lost five, six games in a row. He was terrible. We played Steve Morrison up front. You know, I could have some sympathy with that. Byram and Taylor as inverted wingers. What the hell was all that about? Charlton, why didn't he play Belushki? Picking Stuart Taylor. All these things will be used against him to justify his sacking when really they all need to be put into the context of what the fuck else could he have done and that there was really nothing else he could have done from the moment that Steve Thompson was sacked and he had to busy himself putting Conte out again. I was going to say, we need to make the point that it is not just that Steve Thompson was sacked, it's that there aren't other people there as well. It's not like a member of the coaching staff left. I think someone made the point the other week that when we played Blackburn, they had a bench full of people who were doing various jobs and out on the pitch pre-game, there were two or three people out there Mm. training the players, manager and nowhere to be seen. It's Redfern doing it and then it's... Redfern counting them onto the bloody bus and doing all these Sunday league manager jobs that other clubs have someone else to do. I go to watch Leeds Ladies FC play on a Sunday. They have more people on the bench than Leeds United have on a Saturday. I think people do underestimate the effect that that's had and the infrastructure that's just not there at the club anymore. And they say, well, why, you know, why is not more stuff not happening? Well, you know, if he's not making a couple of subs here and there it's because he doesn't he's already said he doesn't have faith in his bench and the tactics this tactic there's just nobody you know it's like he's got Steve Thompson saying well why don't we change shape like this or you know he's, he's one man existing on his own trying to carry the can for everything but and for that I think he deserves that and if we're not defending corners that well maybe it's because there's no one else at the training ground to work on stuff yeah. How, there's only 24 hours in a day and they only get the players on a morning don't they so but when I'm playing football manager it's not like somebody's sat next to me playing it with me <laughs> so why can't you do better and then I can tweet about it yeah, dickheads. So Sheffield Wednesday away is basically his last heroic chance to try and stake some claim. Um, because if he does get told before the Rotherham game, you know, Neil, you know, I love you. I brought you in 24 hours after I joined club. Get out. But not until after the Rotherham game. I can foresee the Rotherham match. Andrea, who's going to be on the bench? Mm. If I was Redfern, I'd just go, you know what? Fuck you. Chilino, get in the dugout. Banned. Yeah, sorry. Love to, can't. So, Andre has to go in there. Nicholas Lernos has turned into a jellyfish and run away. Mm. Maybe Umbers? Is, could Umbers sit on the bench? No, he's he's not football. Oh, he's not on the football <laughs> side, is <laughs> not he? Not on the football side. Let's just turn to the football briefly. The Sheffield Wednesday style, according to internet charlatans who score.com, mm-hmm. it's all about crosses and long balls and stuff. So, um, we can look forward to things being pumped into the area are we, are we generally good against that or are we bad against that is it the football sides we need to worry we're about we're alright when the Middlesbrough game Bamber and Belushki RIP apparently he's not going to be fit for the next, last two games what's, what's his injury again bullshit oh, um, okay. we're heading everything away against Middlesbrough what worries me more is that Sheffield Wednesday controlled the game in the opposition's half according to whoscored.com and I think the ball spending a lot of time in our half is generally a recipe for disaster. Bamber and Cooper, they do the best, but um, I think if they're under too much pressure, it's only going to end up one way. Well, on to the Rotherham game, the final one of the season, and at least there is a little bit of something to play for, even though it's not for us, it's for them. Um, They could be clinging on by their fingernails on this last day, especially if they do get a points deduction for uh, 
feel in the ineligible player, we could effectively relegate them on the final day. Like Steve Evans to uh, <laughs> bend the rules? I know it might involve saving Millwall if uh, if we beat these lots. So, well, as I always say, bit of a double-edged sword. The better Millwall do, the more chance there is of them having the resources to take Steve Morrison away. And he loves scoring. I mean, that we didn't even mention that earlier. That he, the only time he's managed to score a goal for Leeds United in his two years is when he's in South fucking London. So presumably, while he was at the Valley, he just like, oh, I can smell Millwall from here. Anyway, yeah, a chance to give I, the uh, the players who've performed so well a rousing send off. Into the summer, um, the, the lap of honour is going to be a real chuckle. Yeah, it'd be interesting mm. to see uh, who turns up on that one. I think there might only be about six players uh, going around <laughs> yeah. saying their goodbyes. Byram, I'd be, I'll be honest, I'd be quite happy to see us uh, lose this one if it's uh, if it means relegating Millwall. I'm sick of them. I'd rather not play them. Rotherham's easier to get to. You can walk to Rotherham for an <laughs> you away might. game. You can indeed. <laughs> Which you, yeah, you might get a chance to see Steve Morrison cry on the pitch if we let Rotherham win. And relegate Millwall. Yeah. Well. He'll be running over to check the scores. No. <laughs> it's worth it. In terms of the footballing stuff, they're pretty rubbish all round. They, well, they're bad at keeping the ball, bad at finishing, bad at defending, bad at protecting the lead, and bad at defending set pieces. If you believe the nonsense. Still beat us. Yes. If you believe the nonsense that who scored come out with. But it actually says uh, they are good at creating long shot opportunities, which reminds me very much of the away game down there. More interesting than that, though. Can we just imagine a scenario where Steve Morrison actually has to score to keep Millwall up? This could be the game in which he scores a double hat-trick to save Millwall by sending Rotherham down. Could we actually see the best of him? We were talking um, before Antonucci's injury about whether if there was a penalty in this game and he had to score one more goal for his uh, to get his contract extension, whether snipers would suddenly appear in the stand to, to shoot him dead rather than let him take the penalty and score. But this raises an interesting uh, conflict of interests for old Steve Morrison because he's shown absolutely no interest in scoring any goals for Leeds United. But obviously it's in his very best interests to keep his beloved Millwall in the championship. So how does he reconcile? How does he square that circle? There's a sideshow here. There's a bigger story at play than just Leeds United v Rotherham. This is Steve Morrison against what's right. The Ken Bates Villain of the Fortnight. This is the fortnightly award that we give to somebody who has most contributed to our ongoing state of perpetual misery as Leeds fans. And, and yes, it's returned. The misery has returned after our brief uh, flirtation with calmness and enjoyment. It's back to being a bit miserable and, and tight. I'm banned. Don't look at me. I'm banned. <laughs> it's not no, you. It's not, not my you. fault. As is customary, Ken Bates gets a nomination. What are we nominating him for this time? Well, I don't know. All of it. Oh, selling man. Johnny House and yeah. so that he could come back and score against us. Pretending there was ever a pot. Um, pretending that his pension in any way equates to the entire pensions of the NHS. Pl- plenty to go at. Yes. Yeah. Putting out party political broadcasts. Yeah. Or just political broadcasts. <laughs> we heard them, Yorkshire Radio. Don't try and hide it. <laughs> Own this shit. Own it. He owns you. The extension of selling House is that I would, I'd like to nominate Johnny House and for scoring against us. Did you feel that his non-celebration cancelled that out? Yeah, he did temper it a little bit, didn't he? Pre- pre- uh... Or did it just revel in it? Was he... Because there was some argument that he was lapping up the adulation of like, I scored against you, but love me. But who doesn't? <laughs> anyway, yeah, so he's get, uh, I want to nominate um, yeah, his sister, Andrew Umbers, for... Winner. Yep. <laughs> Let's wrap it Do up. Do we just stop there? <laughs> Well, okay then. All right, okay. Uh, other, other nominations. I was thinking Billy. Sh- as well. You, Bi- hang on yeah, a second. Yeah. Billy Sharp for missing his penalty. What about the injured players? They caused us a lot of misery. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they'll see. Although I was, I was quite glad they've outed themselves as wankers because I've long suspected it of a few of them. Have you had a Have you had a big problem with Dario Del Fabro all oh, season? That guy, that bit of game he played at Sunderland. <laughs> When he was all right. We'd have probably won the FA Cup if it weren't for him. <laughs> um, def- we definitely don't want to nominate Massimo Cellino because he's definitely not involved. No, we? he's not. He's oh, not, he's not he's a relevant person. So we return to Andrew Umbers. Umbers, well, I think as well, you put, you put him on the sheet actually for speaking, which is pretty broad. But I think also we need to have him on there for writing. Mm. Having seen his email oh, that yeah. someone put on, on Twitter where he, seem, he doesn't seem to know if the space goes before or after the full stop, mm. so he just mixes it up a bit. The punctuation of a serial killer, that. Mm. The, I'm the, not saying he's a serial killer, that's about that very clear. Very akin to one. If the money was the, right. There have been a few of those around some of his email replies to people who have been emailing andrew.umbers at leedsnight.com misspelling Thorpe Arch as well, adding an E to Thorpe. Mm. That, oh, which, that, that grinds my gears, doesn't yeah, that? Yeah, you think you'd have seen that on the, the documents as he's been... Trying to sign off the lease, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you think he would be familiar with, with with that at least. Or maybe it's maybe that's football. Even just the act of replying to those emails in the way he has, because I know he says he's only responsible for the business side of Leeds United and not the football side, so technically he's half a chairman. But he is a full chairman, and I would wager that he should have better things to do than reply in such an arsy manner to fans that are emailing him either create a filter to just filter them out of your inbox and ignore them just accept that you're going to get abuse for some of the decisions you've, you've made recently and be the bigger man or reply in a well-written cohesive properly spelt way not just sitting there wasting hour after hour going <laughs> which is essentially all I hear when I when I read them and I, I admire um, Phil yeah. Hay for yeah. yeah well our under 15's like the like the best ones we've ever had so like you just wait and you could even see in that where he pointedly says we've got great youth coaches like XYZ did you not, not refer to them as the real heroes of the Thorpe real Arch? heroes not Neil Redfern not Lucy Ward who you've probably read about in the papers taking all the fucking credit the real heroes there the other and two I'll, I'll sack them as well probably <laughs> at some point because oh no I won't because actually the football side has nothing to do with me but I still want the credit for our under 12s so is he having the award then? yeah of big style Umbers Numbers congratulations you've won the Ken Bates villain of the fortnight we've still got John Howe's book to give away in this bit we'll roll this competition on until the last one of the season because it's getting late tonight and uh, quite frankly we've not had enough entries we, we've had some we had a few and the, they are very high quality yeah. so uh, it's a Radio Yorkshire yeah. competition <laughs> level of entries at the moment but we need we need more um, and obviously your chances of winning are statistically good if you've not listened to the last one um, we asked you to tell us a story about Ellen Road and if we pick out your story as being the best one we will read it out on the podcast at the end of the season in a fortnight and we will furnish you with a free copy of John Howe's book about the history Street of Ellen Road. You can have a copy of the semi-final and final of that book. <laughs> the grand final. Yes. So to make that clear, write as a little story. doesn't have to be very long. Or true. Yeah. It could be fi- fact or fiction. And send it to podcast at thesquareball.net. That's the email address for us here. And we will read one out and our decision is final. Don't moan. That's mm. all we're saying. All I'm saying is I will point out that if we do get too many we may start replying Umber's style with... <laughs> <laughs> um, on to the final mag of the season. Number nine is out now. It went on sale uh, against Cardiff. Got a few left of that. And we'll, I presume we'll be selling the remainder of those uh, with issue 10 against Rotherham. Final day of the season. One for one day only. Tenth and final issue. So, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a blast. It's been interesting, hasn't it? God. 
Uh, yeah, that's going to be a good. It's going to be a bumper issue, isn't it? Issue ten. We think more so. Pages. Extra yeah, pages. Extra pages. Going to be more pages, same price. We hope which same means price. Less profit. So why are we doing? I've got a phone call here. It's from a Monaco number. <laughs> yeah, so please do buy that at the Rotherham game. It will be very good. I've seen some of the artwork and the, the articles and stuff that have come in. There's going to be an end of season review, sort of player by player, managers, chairman, owners, and all that sort of stuff. And some of the artwork that's going with these reviews is just brilliant. So. And you mentioned Del Fabro. I've been assigned him as someone to write about. It's very hard to know what to say. Mm. Andy P has just at this moment actually emailed in his reviews. He says that he swapped Warnock with you. Oh yeah, I let him have Warnock. He wanted him. Okay, who have you got instead? Anybody? Silvestri. It's not a bad trade. Good, is it? good goalkeeper. Mm. Good goalkeeper. Strong. Money fancies. <laughs> uh, right, get in touch with us. You can find us all, all over the bloody internet. Um, we're on SoundCloud and, and iTunes, by the way. If, you, if you're listening on, on one and not the other, you can get it on t'other. You can email podcast at thesquareball.net, which we mentioned before. Tweet at the square ball. Find us on Facebook as well. And we've got Instagram. We've always had Instagram. We never mentioned it. We never used it. But we do now. Moscow in. Uh bikinis with Louis Vuitton luggage that's all you're getting on there <laughs> so yeah do find us on Instagram um, you make puke yes, you we, bastard <laughs> we, not very nice we'll be back um, in a couple of weeks after the end of the season to try and piece together this shattered mess of a football club whatever's left after mm. the Rotherham game uh, bye from me then bye from Michael bye bye and Moscow bye bye hopefully Oddie will make it to the last one who knows fingers crossed we'll speak to you soon bye 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 The Square Ball Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.